Welcome to Product Coffee, a podcast where product professionals from my bottle share stories, advice, and thoughts on all things product over a cup of coffee. Grab a cup of joe and join us to level up your product career 30 minutes at a time. I'm one of your co-hosts, Kevin Gentry. I'm Bergen Navell. I'm Patrick Kuchkowski. I'm Jake Worland. And today we are joined by a couple of special guests. Our topic of the day today is product management and engineering, how we work together, and some advice there. So without further ado, I'd love to introduce our two guests for the day. Hello, my name is Shannon Page. I'm an engineer here at Ibotta for about two years now. And I'm Lucas Moore. I've been here for almost three years. And I'm assuming you're an engineer, right? I'm also an engineer. I do engineering things. Fantastic. Well, welcome, guys. Yeah, well, thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for coming. I think we should just dive into to the meat of the discussion and talk about what product management means to you as an engineer. I'm going to let Lucas go first because he has notes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, so when I think about product management, I really imagine um, that team as the folks who are really like the planners and the organizers um, and the people who connect all of the dots, which is a very crucial role. Um, so I, I think of it mostly like the glue of a company, especially a product-driven company like Ibotta, um, really holding all of the parts together. Um, and I, I think a really important role um, that I've seen be very successful is that the product managers are the question askers and the question answerers at the same time and like lead that whole discussion and that whole process. I think of it more, uh, my sports analogies are going to be terrible, linebackers, like a blocker. Like, I think of product managers as my blockers. Like, I just want to sit down, I want to code. So when I think of a great product manager, it's somebody who is dealing with stakeholders, answering questions, basically eliminating any hurdle between me and getting code out. Blocker can go yeah. two to two different ways. We don't want to block you from that. No, no, not block. No, no. You're my blocker. Like yeah, I'm the yeah, quarterback, exactly. and you're like getting everybody yeah. out of my way. I like it. Yeah. I, like it. I suppose that's interesting, right? I think from the PM side, does that jive with how mm. the rest of us think of product management? You're like, that's not what we do. At all. <laughs> we all yeah, work on that. No, we all think we're the quarterback instead. <laughs> Well, that's why I said my sports analogies are terrible. There's probably maybe a linebacker thrower, a thrower. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know sports. <laughs> running backs now. No, I, and I think that that hits on the topic though, because I think there's this, especially in the community right now, there's this kind of inflated sense of worth amongst PMs, and so it helps to really think that more often our day to day really is that it's not like. I invented this whole new fancy thing, you know, now let me hand it off. It's really, how do we work together to try and solve these nitty gritty problems, which oftentimes mean running around with chickens with their heads cut off, <laughs> trying to find the right person for just the right kind of solution. Yeah, I think you guys touched on it well, but also just that creating that visibility outside of the team and doing a lot of those tasks that I think a lot of engineers don't want to do, but surfacing and highlighting really the value of the work that the teams are doing and really trying to create that excitement outside of the squad as well so the teams can feel empowered that the work that they're doing is really driving towards that larger vision. At least I think that's what I try to do. <laughs> I don't know how effective it is, but yeah. it's At fun. the end of the day, we're a team, right? So I think, you know, in order to us 
for our teams to move forward, you need to be heads down in code, right? So that's that's an important piece of what we have to do is allow you to go make progress on the things that you need to make progress on um, while we're doing other things that we need to make progress on, right? So. Yeah, and to Lucas's point, uh, asking the questions and answering the questions yeah. at the same time, I think, is also a great way to think about it mm -hmm. um, because as engineers, we can definitely go off the rails. And so it's nice to have somebody <laughs> kind of reining us in and yeah. asking like, why are you doing this? Why is it taking so long? But also at the same time, here are the answers you need to do what you need to move forward. Mm -hmm. I really like what you just mentioned about um, like advocating for your team and saying what they did because that layer of translation is super important. Mm -hmm. Like if I go to another team and like, I've optimized those database queries <laughs> yeah. like so well, you don't even understand. They're like, so does the tool work? Like, I think there's different layers that we need that translation to be in between where you take, or if you understand what our team has done and you say to the company, like, mm -hmm. check it out, this is really cool. And you put it in terms that the whole company can understand. That makes a really, really big difference because we're not necessarily thinking about how everyone else views what we do. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we've talked about on this podcast the concept of metaphors, right? I think Jerry brought that up. Storytelling yeah. is huge, right, for that, for that exact reason, is how do we take something that's very potentially very technical and hard to understand and put it into words that other people actually can mm -hmm. comprehend. So we're almost like internal interpreters in some ways, right. too. I love uh, nailing on a good analogy. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, I think we used the, uh, the cloud analogy before, or... Uh, taking donuts to a donut shop. I think someone did oh, yeah. that. Yeah. The Taylor Rose analogy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the other missing data component, I, I talked about a puzzle piece with some missing pieces. Mm. And I was like, yes, I got some. <laughs> 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 I coined that one. Oh, this is fun. <laughs> yeah. I always like to test, like, the the concepts of what I'm taking the 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 work the engineering team is doing and explaining it out to the squad by trying to, to run it by my mom first. I'm like, so, this is what we did. And she's like, no idea what you're talking about. I'm like, all right, I gotta still work on this. We gotta, get it, we gotta break this down a little bit more. I'll be back in 10 minutes, yeah. don't go anywhere. <laughs> Let me call you back. <laughs> Let me figure this out. So, awesome, well, maybe diving into another topic as well. So, from your perspectives, what is the key to an effective product and engineering relationship? What does that look like to you? Um, I think for me, there's got to be a lot of trust there um, because uh, uh, Patrick's actually my PM right now, and I trust that um, if I have like a really hard decision to make, I can actually hand it off to him. <laughs> right now, we're dealing with a lot of CCPA stuff, and I'm like, I don't want to make these decisions, so I'm going to trust that Patrick's got that handled. I also know that there's a lot of moving pieces that I don't know about. And like, I definitely have a tendency to want to micromanage and be like, what's going on with this part? What's going on with this part? And I have to just like trust that I know Patrick's going to be taking care of that and to just like focus on the things that he needs me to focus on at that point. Yeah, I agree about trust. That's a huge part of it. Uh, I think the first ingredient of an effective relationship is having a literal relationship and like putting the time in to have personal relationships. I think that happens at a few different levels. Uh, the team relationship, so being an embedded part of a team who shares the context with what the projects are um, and, and where everyone's coming from, what we're working on and what's blocking, you know, like having all of that, but also putting the effort into one-on-one -on -one relationships uh, and, and having quality face time with each individual member of a team so that you, you have more than just a, I guess it's kind of a extra work relationship, like putting in the quality time, not necessarily doesn't have to be a friendship, but um, mm -hmm. having that extra time really, really makes a difference so that the trust is, 
is um, pretty much it follows, I think, if you, if you put in the work. So kind of building off the question of trust, I know one thing that I've been doing with you know, our squad is almost oversharing. I kind of wonder, in your opinion, when is too much information too early? Is there a point to which you, know, you, you want to build that trust to be like, hey, look at all the things we're thinking about, but is that too early to share? Do you, is it better to try and come with something that's a little near term? Is it nice to have that? That's what is the level of sharing? I think when when we first started and when Jake came on came onto a Jake <laughs> came onto a project like halfway through, um, it, you kind of did the same thing. And I think when you're just starting um, with your squad, that's a great way to get that trust. Is like I'm being open. This is what's going on. Maybe like as you've got that trust, you don't need to do as much because that relationship is there. Um, but. Um, but I definitely see, have seen our team appreciate like, that openness and um, coming from a place where we all kind of didn't know, we, we weren't in a great spot and we all kind of didn't know what our goals were and what we were doing. It was really helpful to have that, that vision moving forward. So I got a question for you guys. Um, what are your PM horror stories? I'm assuming, I mean, you guys have been engineers yeah. for a while and you've worked with, you, you don't have to call out anyone in this room. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what has been like the worst experience that you've had with a PM? Absence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like a PM that just basically gives you an overarching vision of what the product needs to be and then kind of disappears. I agree with that. Um, a lack of a PM, like <laughs> it's, having it's kind of inverted, but like yeah, having not had one mm -hmm. for a period of time made me really appreciate having mm. a, a good one. Um, so absence is really big, and I think another thing is uh, like panic or like urgency, and not being that blocker or that filter, and just letting all of the organizational chaos flow into the team and like switching priorities really quickly. Mm. Um, it doesn't lead to a very effective team, yeah. I don't think. There's yeah, like the danger of context switching, right? Like within within the squad itself, but then trying to navigate the squad through those waters in the company, I think. Mm -hmm. Sounds like it's it's pretty critical. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I don't know from my end I'm like, I don't know how good of a job I'm doing at this. It feels mm -hmm. like we're getting whipsawed and then everyone's like, Yeah, we're doing all right. I'm like, all right, here we go <laughs> <laughs> No, I've definitely I've definitely had panic moments where there hasn't been a PM and it makes it more of a panic moment because not only are you trying to code to fix a problem, but you're also trying to gather information from <laughs> yeah. the stakeholders to figure out how it needs to be fixed. And you're also dealing with, you know, a million things. And we personally have gone through some issues on some projects we've been through that have been pretty bad. But we can divide and conquer. It still happens. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> and now I just watch you from across the room and drop my head. <laughs> but it, they weren't that bad because we could divide and conquer. Yeah. And like mm -hmm. we yeah. kind of have like these little war room moments and divide up the responsibilities of who was yeah. going to do what and then go back out. And everybody was able to like keep their calm and focus because we had that organization and you were kind of, I mean, in that sense, you were the quarterback kind of running the team. Yeah, I think maybe like a good, maybe with this kind of goes into the next subject, but like what is a good product engineering team? And what I'm hearing from you is like there's a certain element of roles and responsibilities and you just intrinsically know kind of what position, as it were, people are playing on the team. And you can start to trust and just 
just assume that someone will do it and you know that they're going to do it because they've done it in the past because you've built up that precedent mm -hmm. um, but what does everyone else think like what is that thinking more holistically about the product team what is a good product team what does that look like I've uh, found it pretty effective on some of the squads that I've worked on where and I think we touched on this last week with the engineering managers but if product can come in and define the what the why and the what and then really leave the rest of that the how we get there and who does that work up to the engineering team I think that that in my experience is like the right divide of the work and if we can make sure that the what and the why are being answered by the stories that the teams are working on I think that that and having those you know daily check-ins at stand-up and if you're in sprints every two weeks looking at the like the deliverables of the sprint towards those goals that typically work is an effective team structure but I'd like to I mean, in practice, that's hard to do at some time, at some points. Like, if you're on a back-end, kind of more technical-focused engineering team, the why we need canonical protos product might not be as, like, influential in making those decisions. <laughs> but driving those, those pieces towards that larger vision that is being set by the team, I think, is where we can come in and be effective. Yeah, I, I'm not sure how many people uh, subscribe to or, or, you know, the, there's a Silicon Valley product group um, website and blog, and Marty Kagan has some interesting insights there. And one of the ones he always advocates for is making sure that you have your engineers in the room for ideation as well. Uh, and I've always taken that to heart, where it's don't just view this as like separations of concerns, where the PM is going to run off and the designer are going to run off and come up with all this stuff. It's you know, you're you're losing. You know, fifty percent of you know the the team there. You know, bring everybody along. Make sure that there is that cohesion. And I always view it as a team is working well if everybody is having the chance to have that input mm -hmm. and calling out the concerns as early and as often as possible. So missionaries, not mercenaries, too. That was a good note. Um, I think bringing the engineers early with uh, ideation helps with that, right? Because everyone's. It, it, you know, you're not in silos and you're more of like a team at that point trying to solve for the customer need and you're all empathizing with that. So it becomes, you know, everyone's passionate about that problem and solving it as a team as opposed to I'm solving this part. Now it's your turn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? And then that some of that kind of missionary focus gets lost along the way. Yeah, and something that I find happens a lot is this weird perception that I don't think it's as much here. I've seen it at other companies where there's an expectation that the PM is going to have all the answers. It always drives me nuts because half the time I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> I just have more questions than answers. No. <laughs> so, you know, trying to at least, you know, share out that mind space helps. I think that's like a leadership um, quality too. Is just a lot of PMs have is like kind of fake it till you make it almost, right? <laughs> is the, is the um, what is it? The, like just the showing that you you think you have things under control and then trying to figure it out later a little bit <laughs> kind of helps ease some of the anxiety that a team might have coming into a team. It's um, like, how much can I say yeah. and still know that I think I can back it up? <laughs> <laughs> how do you guys feel about that and being involved in the ideation part of a, a project or an initiative on your squad? Like, here's the vision of our group. We're going to do X, Y, and Z. How do we get there as a team? Like, what do you... When do you want to be involved in those conversations? Uh, I like being involved in those conversations really early um, and having collaborative sessions where we're brainstorming and um, 
Jake is RPM, I think he does a great job of like asking questions instead of like dictating things, but like just literally putting the question out there and letting our team like hover around it and try to answer it until the whole team has built a consensus around it. Um, and that's that's very much uh, around our like OKRs and like our higher level strategy as a team. Um, as far as ideation around specific projects, uh, we've done the same thing where we're up there like literally whiteboarding out architecture you know, with a marker and like all coming to a consensus on what we all know we need to do. Uh, and it's very easy to like quickly erase something and like poke holes in ideas and then redraw it at that point in the process, which is why I want to be in on it early, <laughs> instead of like, we've written all the stories and we've like started doing it. It's like, it turns out like <laughs> those messages are too large for SQS. So we need to like rethink our entire design. And that's, those are really hard to get there. So yeah, the earlier, the better in my opinion. Yeah, my last job, um, <clears throat> we kind of subscribed to the pivotal method of um, XP programming and every project had like a kickoff with the stakeholders, the PMs, and the engineers. And you'd go over goals, anti goals, um, what your fears are that this is going to fall. Like it's that that very pivotal, like let's also play with Play Doh while we're doing this. So everyone feels creative kind of thing. But the thing that would come out of it at the end was the beginning of your user stories that kind of everybody was writing together and bought in on. And it was a great time for those kinds of discussions, like, well, the stakeholders want this, but that won't work because of this scenario, and only the engineers can identify that. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so yeah, early. Mm -hmm. Is there any, a different question, is there anything that just in the day-to-day like just sets you on edge with PMs? Is there like some like mm -hmm. nitpicky pet behavior? Peeves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. PM pet peeves. PM pet peeves. peeves. Yes. <laughs> yeah. PMPP. <laughs> We've sort of already talked about it, but I, I think panic is the main thing. Like yeah. uh, coming up and be like, okay, so I know you're working on that thing, but Stop listen, everything. yeah, this is bad. <laughs> like I need you to drop everything and do this. Um, obviously, there are cases when that is appropriate. I should say, like sometimes it's worth panicking, uh, but like. You know, the second time you, you're coming to me panicking, it's like, all right, hold on. The second time in a week, we have an issue. Yeah. <laughs> Do you need a drink? <laughs> Let's take a deep breath. Yeah. Um, for me, my biggest pet peeve is asking why we're doing things that have been discussed before. Um, and this, this happens a lot with the absent PM. Um, there would be times when we would have stand-ups and come to a decision and the PM would be in the room. And then like a week later, the PM would be like, why are you doing it that way? And I'd be like, ah, you were in that conversation. <laughs> so that's probably my biggest pet peeve. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. I, like sometimes when decisions are made out of the room that not the whole team is involved in, um, what are your guys' opinions on that? And how, yeah, how, how could we do that better as a product manager? I think it's worth taking the time to loop everyone in, mm -hmm. like even if it's five minutes mm -hmm. at, at stand-up, um, or something our team does is a like weekly discussion time. So instead of having uh, all of our little like twenty or thirty minute whole team meetings, many times throughout the week we have like a one hour meeting every mm -hmm. Wednesday morning in the middle of the week, and like we build the agenda stuff together. So if a decision's been made and the whole team needs to like get up to speed on that context. It's really worth taking the even you know 15, 15 minutes to explain the decision and just keep people on the same page mm -hmm. so that it's not a two-hour conversation later you know mm -hmm. 
I, I think it's I think it's worth trying to keep everyone on the same page. Yeah, I agree. Kind of on the the same topic, one of the things I've seen a lot as a PM is institutional politics, and I know generally as engineers you're somewhat removed from that. How do we start those kind of conversations when a decision has either been made by you know in this case someone outside of the room, whether it's you know senior leadership, and we just know that the internal politicking is going to drive something? Is there a good way to have those conversations? For me, that's where the trust comes in. Like when I was talking about, like, I know that mm-hmm. there's reasons decisions are made that I'm not a, a part of and that I can't affect in that way. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think once you've established that trust as a PM, you can just be like, yeah, this is this is not something that that I can I can argue. Like, you can say, like, this comes from above, and I can trust that you've done the best for the team to represent our point of view and... You know, I actually for a little while worked in government, so personally yeah. I know that sometimes just, you know, you can A-B test a landing page, but if the mayor likes A, that's the one you're going with. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but I think you do have to have that trust, um, because otherwise, if that's not there, I won't feel hurt. Like, maybe my, my opinion wasn't heard, so I need to feel like at least maybe you, uh, that you represented me at mm-hmm. some point. And then, then I feel good about it. Yeah. So maybe let's talk about that for a second. Like how, let's dive a little bit deeper on how to build that trust. Like Lucas, you mentioned building the actual relationship. And Shannon sounds like presence is a really big thing for you. Like what would you add to the list? Like how would you, say a new PM is hired at Ibotta, like how would you go to them and say, hey, here are some really good ideas on how to think about building trust with engineering here. Part of it is it just takes time, honestly. Yeah. Um, it just has to shake out as you go through being on a team and learning lessons um, and probably having retros that the whole team is involved in where you talk about what's working, what's not working and actually compassionately listening to each other and responding to it and changing uh, but I think one element of it is that it can't be rushed, it's not an instantaneous thing and that's mm-hmm. what makes trust so great when yeah. you have it is that it's been definitely been built and for me, I think a big part of it is is getting involved in the product and knowing it. Um, I keep talking about the absence, but that really is a big thing. Yeah, totally. That I've worked with PMs that literally have no um, contact for like a week and yeah. don't know the product. So knowing knowing the product as not not the ins and outs of the code, but as well as the engineers as to how it's going to function, what's going to work, um, and then also uh, the you mentioned having the compassionate conversations, like really listening when um, and, and hearing your engineers when they're like, this is something that is going to be difficult. Can we do it this way instead? And actually not having that hard line of like, no, this is the way it's got to be. Being like, yeah, let's work together. Mm-hmm. And it will take time. But having that back and forth, I think, is where that comes from. Yeah. I think something... Um tactical that I've done as a PM is we have stand-ups every morning around like 9, 15, 15 minute stand-ups and I blocked off an hour right after that and as do not book over time <laughs> so then um, I could spend the time answering questions with my team or huddled around a whiteboard if the discussion out of uh, stand-up becomes a little longer um, sometimes I Get booked over. Really? What is Andrew with a full yeah, schedule? Right. <laughs> but uh, I like I like carving that time out. That's 
really been yeah. working out for me uh, personally. Just I can get closer to the team. I can be more present with them and answer questions and, and be more involved in their day to day. I like that. And that's something I've done with both of you mm -hmm. is yeah. stand in front of that whiteboard and let's draw some pictures yeah. and arrows and see what's going mm -hmm. on. Yeah. But that, I mean, I think that's great. It shows that you're invested and you're oh, yeah. listening to my ideas and vice versa. I think some great collaboration comes yeah, from that. Yeah, one-on-ones with uh, folks as well, and, and depending on the cadence. I mean, it, again, PM schedules are crazy, but sometimes it's important to get in a room with your lead engineer and um, or, you know build that trust, right? Mm -hmm. Or hear their ideas. And, yeah. Hey, what's your pulse on the team, on the work? And you just get a different perspective in that intimate setting there. But. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. One thing I really like about one-on-ones that's an element of culture here at Ibotta is literally getting out of the office and like walking Going around walk, yep. yeah that I think switching that context away from work also helps build trust like outside of the whiteboarding context or sitting in a room like we do that all day yeah. so walking in the sun and mm -hmm. you know then you can really talk about the team because the team is not in the room mm -hmm. <laughs> or, you know, just outside the door right yeah so the the one thing I've seen that it, especially between leadership and PMs and PMs and the team seems to erode trust the fastest is deadlines. Mm -hmm. I'd be well, curious what your thoughts mm -hmm. are on when there's either an arbitrary or a team aligned deadline and if that has to slide and how to approach that. It's a great question. I think one of the one of the main elements of setting a deadline um, is a shared understanding and a, like the whole team being bought into the priorities of projects um, and some stability in that is really important uh, and so that's I, I imagine that as the the PM and the EM working together to set sort of lead the team and set the priorities and then engineering we've agreed that you know those are the projects we're going to do in that order these people are working on that um, and when deadlines slip out longer I think that's okay uh, the thing that is is very difficult is like okay so priority one is now priority four and we have these two other things stacked on top and then in two weeks you know oh priority four it turns out is really important and like all that shuffling creates a lot of context switching um, but having honest conversations about what's feasible for a project as it's going longer uh, I really like the phrase like we can either do this right or we can do it twice and a lot of times it's worth doing right I think um, for me, it comes back to the the idea of the PM being the the my blocker, not a blocker, um, being my blocker and like protecting protecting the team. And so um, I can't I can't remember. I know this happened with one of you where we had a deadline, and I can't remember which one it was. I'm sorry, but 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 whoever it was had said I agreed to this deadline, but now we don't have to add. But I've taken this feature off. So there, there's like the give and take on that. So it's not a hard line like, this is the product that has to be done by this point. It was, okay, I know that this deadline's coming up, um, but I was able to, you know, say that we're not going to be able to get this whole thing, you know, this whole thing done. Yeah. Um, and that helped me feel protected. Like you were looking out for the team and you knew that there were trade-offs. I wish I remembered which one of you yeah. it was. <laughs> I'm just the general you. Sounds like you've probably yeah. done that many yeah, times. Yeah, probably, yeah, you've probably both done it, which is why I can't remember. But um, but yeah, having, having that consciousness of the team and their mental state <laughs> yeah. and like the idea of kind of taking care of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also like the you know, if we're going to meet this deadline, this feature is going to give, those are the really important and crucial conversations to have. Like, 
uh, if something is going to be prioritized over that, the conversation that REM will have is like, okay, so what is falling off the plate? Because I think it's really easy to keep adding onto the board and onto the plate of like what everyone's doing without the understanding of like we are mere humans who are just <laughs> trying to get this work done and like the plate can stack really really high but we have that cue that we're pulling off of so if if something new is going to be added the conversation around what is going out like let's remove that feature mm-hmm. to meet that deadline those are really critical conversations that are are hard mm-hmm. because there's a lot of stakeholders you know who are who are vying for that feature to get out or whatever it is, uh, but that's that's a very effective thing to do. Oh, I just remembered it was you. It was Jake. <laughs> I remember it was like it was like oh somebody had to add this feature. So how much time will that take, and which features do we trade them with? And I remember you saying that you were like, "Tell me which features this this time is going to take up." I can't remember yeah, what exactly remember. it was, but I remember having this conversation with you, and you were like, "Here's the four things we need to get done before the deadline. Here's the new thing that has to be in there." which one of these things you want me to tell them that you won't be able to do. And I, I thought that was really cool. Because yeah. I was like, yeah, I, they're looking out for us. And you understand that it's a trade-off. And you're going to have that hard conversation yeah. for us. It's easy to throw stuff on the list when you're not actually doing the work. <laughs> <laughs> and that goes for, like, PMs. And that goes for the rest of the business. Yeah. And I think one thing that at least I find as a PM that is a big challenge of the role is going and talking to these stakeholders and talking through the whole board as opposed to the one thing that they're dialed in on because that's all they see. It's just kind of like blinders are on from a stakeholder's perspective. Like, yeah, we need to get this done. They're not even thinking about the broader context of what's going on. So, yeah, I think it's, I mean, to the point that you made earlier, Patrick, about being open and transparent about those conversations. Like, it's one thing to have it with a stakeholder, but I think it's also probably useful to have with the actual team, too. Awesome. Well, um, thank you guys for joining us today. Do you have any closing remarks for aspiring PMs in Colorado? That um, Be patient with us. Engineers are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and we will push you as far as we can. <laughs> but open communication is the key. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just re- reiterate what I said at the beginning, that uh, you know a good product manager is sort of that bridge builder or that glue in between all of the elements and so uh, being the the thing that is at the center of the hub and can deal with all of the trade-offs uh, is probably the most beneficial thing, uh, including being a, a blocker, a sports blocker person. That's a ter- that's the worst metaphor because it does sound like you're blocking us. Yeah. I'm sorry. About that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you guys for joining us. Um, that wraps up this week's product coffee. We've all finished our coffee. Thanks for joining us, and go level up. Cha-ching. <laughs> Time for one more cup of coffee. Yeah. Nice. <laughs>